Welcome back to the Manufacturing Come Up, where we talk about people's careers, how they navigated their career to get to where they're currently at today. Some of these individuals have uh, made it to engineering status, project manager status, directors of engineering, and today we have an entrepreneur, uh, a president of a company who's doing something similar to what we we are doing in the industry, and that's help maximize companies, manufacturing companies, their ROIs, their profitability. And welcome to the show, Dan. Hi, Mark. Hi. I'm glad to have you on. Uh, we do so. I mean, we do something very different, but we do something very similar, right? We're both trying to make manufacturing companies more money. Uh, give a brief exa uh, example of what what it is that you do to to help increase the profitability of, of companies. Yeah, absolutely. So at a high level, we uh, take uh, strategy, the gap between strategy and execution, and just make it really work. We focus in four areas streamlining operations so they're more efficient, building up their talent, their human capital so they execute better, managing operations, building a strategy process for continual improvement every year, and then lastly, working with a culture to create a better environment so that turnover, which is a problem nowadays in manufacturing, actually decreases and they're able to maintain the top talent within the business. Awesome. Yeah. So, I mean, this is definitely something that took years and years of experience to build up and be able to uh, have the skill sets required to do this. Where did it all start? Uh, gosh, it's been a while, but yeah. So it took me 10 years out in industry, just working different uh, in different capacities at different companies, training, uh, certifications that I pursued. But it started uh, back in, in the early 2000s. I started working for a mattress manufacturing company. And, uh, you know, my background is in engineering, uh, as you mentioned earlier, some of the folks you interview. And when I set foot, that was my first manufacturing experience. And we were working with uh, consultants implementing improvements. And that's when, when it hit me. Like, I really enjoy this work. I think this is what I want to do with my career long term help companies make improvements because it's so rewarding. And so, yeah, it, that's the where it started. <laughs> so prior, prior to that, did you kind of, did you know you were going to get into the manufacturing space? Did, did you go to college for this type of work or what was your background? Yeah. So, uh, I guess a little bit of a funny story, but coming out of high school, I wanted to be a lawyer. That's what was in my mind. I wanted to be a lawyer. I wanted to pursue things and whatever. So, because I'm very persistent. But when I heard you had to take a bar exam for every state you moved to, I said, okay, I'm out. <laughs> and so I started looking, what's the next best thing? And uh, actually a friend of my dad's, uh, he's an industrial engineer. So I said, okay, that's what I'm gonna pursue. And throughout uh, my career, I really didn't know which industry or what focus because industrial engineering can take you in a lot of different directions. But when I was doing my capstone project, I remember we did it at a window manufacturing company. Mm -hmm. And gosh, that felt amazing when you saw how things came together. And I don't know if you, maybe there's a corny way of describing it, but the, the hair in the back of my neck stood up and I felt like, okay, this feels like fun. Like I want to pursue this. And at that point I knew when I get out in industry, you know, after I finished college, mm -hmm. it, that's where I'm going manufacturing. And that's where I focus. Yeah. I, uh, one of my first exposures to uh, manufacturing facilities was an automotive glass manufacturer. And I remember when I went in there and I just seen all the robots, you know, moving around, moving glass, moving different products and stuff like that, that I was just like, wow. I felt like I was like in an amusement park almost. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, I know. It, it feels like you're having fun and uh, time flies by. In the beginning, you said you started off working at, at a mattress company. Uh, you know, how long did you spend there? And, and, and what are some of the things that you gained from from those, uh, your first experiences on, in the job. Okay. You're taking me way yeah, back. So my memory, I'll give you what my memory allows me. So, I mean, I, I learned so many lessons early on. You know, one thing that I learned was that whenever you're trying to create change and make improvements, there's two sides to the equation. There's the technical side, the processes, the equipment and so on and so forth. But then there's also the people side. So if you don't have the right people, if people don't buy in, they don't believe in what you're doing gonna have a really hard time and we actually faced some of those things and we were able to overcome them to some degree but nonetheless the, the importance of that also uh whenever you're trying to implement change you can't do change to people you have to work with them 
hear them out, take them their, their input, give them ownership, because otherwise it could be the best solution. But if they're not part of it, they're going to reject it, and then your project's going to fail altogether if you don't you know get people involved, engaged in the process. Yeah, absolutely. I think one thing that's pretty interesting is like you kind of continually go back to the the human approach, right? It's like the human side of things and, and how important that is. And it's something that we, we have to think about as well. Like whenever we deploy like automated systems, right? We're deploying like capital pieces of equipment. And whenever we hand this off to a company and we, and they get, gets handed off to uh, ultimately the operator, right? It has yeah. to be a system that, that is going to be easy enough for them to operate. They can recover from errors and stuff like that. So that way, you know, if not, they're going to just reject the system. Oh, this, this, this system's junk. I don't know how to operate it. It's got this issue, that issue. And, uh, you know, you, you, you have to mitigate as many of those things as possible because they're going to be the people that are, that are like going to management and having like either, either complaints or praise about a system. Yeah. hundred percent and hundred percent. You know, if you don't get their input, give me your opinion. How does this work for you? What would be even better? Tell me what are your challenges? I mean, I'm sure you ask those questions. I know we do in trying to find a solution that best fits the end, the client ultimately, but but further the end user of the process or the system that you're putting in place. How, how much time did you spend at this first company? I was there about two years uh, in, in the mattress company. Yes, gotcha. sir. And then what, what kind of made you want to shift into your next uh, position? You know, because obviously like that was your first job, right? So... You're just getting your feet wet. You're just now, you know, reaching the job market and in this in this sector. Yeah. So you know, one thing that I, I give a lot of credit to um, to my dad, my father. He instilled in me the entrepreneurial mindset, ambition, and pursue your goals and be aggressive. So you know, after two years, I made we made tremendous strides. I mean, a lot of improvements, profitability, lead times were cut down from two weeks to three days. Uh, quality had gone down. So after a while, you get to a point where you're like, what's the next challenge? What else can I do? And I didn't see that opportunity there. And quite honestly, I wasn't even thinking of moving, but uh, we had a benchmarking visit. We had another company come through and I gave them a, uh, uh, a tour and uh, they actually recruited me out of that company. And so I said, oh, okay, this is interesting. Yeah. So with that, one thing that I always wanted was I didn't want to see one industry. I didn't want to see like all mattress, all mattress, all mattress. I wanted right. to see different things because I knew I wanted to be in consulting. Yep. And so that was a completely different field and so or, or industry within manufacturing. And so I took the plunge and, and uh, moved out of that and moved to a different situation. It was, uh, yeah, that's basically what prompted it. Yeah, I, I think definitely getting getting some exposure to, to different industries is, is really important and it's really it's kind of the exciting thing or, or being in a manufacturing facility where it has like different departments and and different processes within the company you know some companies they do one thing and there's like one process and like maybe they have 10 lines of like the same process but it's all kind of you know the same like one thing that like i feel like we definitely have is like a luxury is like we're always dealing with a new system we're always in a different manufacturing facility and that was one thing that's always like very intriguing to me uh, about you know, automation as a career path. That's awesome. And I mean, again, it presents a challenge. Every time we go to a manufacturing client that's new, uh, I tell them like, I may not have worked with somebody in, in your industry, but that's not an obstacle. Like we can overcome that in a matter of days, weeks, uh, very quickly and just start adding value. And to me, that's the beauty of it. It's uh, amazing to go in. And at first it could be a little intimidating depending on the environment. I mean, I've gone to clients that it's like, oh, okay, this is different. <laughs> And then after you understand it, you're like, oh, okay, I understand what your problems are and uh, let's go fix them. Yeah. And it's just fascinating. I enjoy it thoroughly very much. That's one thing that, that we also experience the same is like, you know, some customers will ask like, hey, have you done anything in this particular industry? And a lot of times it doesn't matter, right? There are some things that are, that are more like science-based processes. Like if you have to like heat up something or cool it down and, like there's a lot of uh, process control stuff, you know, then sometimes it can, it can become challenging to automate something, but like, it really doesn't matter like what industry you're in. Like we're picking something up and we're putting it down. Or if we're like reading the label of something or, or conveying something down a line, like 
it really doesn't matter like what industry or what sector it's in uh you know and even if it does have some complex heating and cooling or, or some element like that some something that takes more like scientific engineering then is even as long as we have the support from the customers to to help us in that part of the process then it's something that we can still handle but uh yeah there's not really a limitation after you learn like the the process of of like improving something or you know in our case automating something uh it becomes the same process like no matter where you're located at 100 percent agree with you i i almost tell people it, it cuts both ways right because you can bring a lot of knowledge from past industry but you could also bring a lot of uh bias and and poor habits as well and so we have a one of our taglines tech, it's you know effective solutions and to me an effective solution comes from the collaboration between us and the client you know we bring the process the methodology the frameworks and experience of course but they bring their industry and product and client knowledge yeah. and when those two things come together that's when the magic happens and then they own it because they had a big hand in it as opposed to saying I mean, and unfortunately, I do have to say it and address it. There's a poor stigma around people in, in, in our profession, right? All consultants are coming. They're going to come try to tell us what to do. And we, you know, we, we turned that in its head and say, I actually want to not know so much that I'm the only one contributing. I want to have half the piece and you bring the other half. And then we can get a sustainable solution that you say, got it. I learned this. Yep. It's still uh, uh, included my thoughts and opinions. And now we can work with it. Yeah, yeah, it's extremely important. And that that partnership part that you brought up is 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 really really important. And because like we we definitely work with companies where it's like there's two separate ones where ones like they cut a purchase order, they want their deliverable, and then there's the other one that like want to actually be there and be involved in like the engineering process. And and you know there's there's a lot that goes into engineering these systems, especially when it comes to um, preference right? Like preference is a big thing that's, that's really important. And, uh, a lot of times, you know, uh, maybe a customer doesn't get involved in, in, the, in those processes. And, and, and especially the other big thing that you mentioned was like bringing in their product knowledge, bringing in their product experience, right? Like there'll be times where like, say for instance, we'll be engineering against something and they'll say, oh yeah, but actually the dimension of this part changes by this much tolerance. And we're like, oh, okay. <laughs> okay. That, that would have been good to know, right? Know, right. Had that person not said it, you would have probably not seen it right away. Yeah. And so, and so, like something like that is uh, detrimental to know at the very beginning of the project because if not, you have to like retool things. You might have completely change portions of the process or or add other uh, tools or features to the the system to be able to handle whatever new constraint is there. Um, but yeah, so I think that the partnership. You know, and, and just really working cohesively together uh, with whatever it be, like just process improvements, uh, automated systems, yeah, yeah. any of those things. Let me, can I add one yeah. more thing? Um, I'll also say, like in our case, a lot of times, one of our values is seek partnership. Like we want that relationship. We don't want clients to see us as, you know, I have a hole in my pipe come plug the hole and get out of my shop. Like that plumber type of analogy I'm giving. Yeah. We want to be able to get intimate into their business yeah. and understand you have the right people. Because a lot of times we, we find that, hey, these people don't buy in. They don't believe in having metrics and having structures and having documented processes and letting people make improvements, which in some cases makes you think like, okay, I don't know how you can logically justify that. But nonetheless, some people think that way. And so we want to be that outside party that can bring light to those things. And sometimes we can fix those issues, but other times we can't. And those are the things we still have to deal with. But unless you have that intimate relationship, it's very, uh, it's very much uh, an uphill battle. And we, we don't uh, sidestep or avoid those situations. We actually embrace them because we know those are the breakthrough improvements that are going to make whatever changes we make sustainable for the client so they can reap the benefits in the long term. Where did you, where did you get the idea to, to start doing uh, consulting type of, uh, of, of work? Well, again, going back to my influence from my dad, right? So uh, back in home, I'm originally from the Dominican Republic. Um, that's a little island in the Caribbean, in case some, someone's not familiar. 
but basically uh, my dad ran an uh, HVAC uh, repair and installation type of uh, business. So whenever school, school was out or in the summers, I would just go and, 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 and just uh, 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 shadow him, right? Mm-hmm. So I would be at client meetings and seeing this. And I mean, part of me was like so much freedom. Like he can come and go and have his own business and all of this. Yeah. And so to me, in my mind, I, I remember, I mean, I have here in my bookcase, I, I have things from 20 years ago. How do you develop a consulting business and a service thing? And so it was always in there. Uh, it just came out later in life. But that's the beginning, the genesis of that mindset and that uh, ideas in my in my head. Yeah, you know, I'm definitely glad that you brought up like like back in the past how you was working with your dad at like a younger age because I honestly feel like that is kind of one of the key things that distinguishes somebody becoming an entrepreneur in the future, right? I think now it, it may be working with a father, maybe working with an uncle, maybe even working with a mother or. Uh, you know, maybe you were mowing grasses or, or selling belt baseball cards right. or Pokemon cards or whatever it may be. Right. And, right. uh, but it's kind of like that hustle mentality, that, 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 that mentality, like to generate money and to like sell some service or sell some product and, and kind of become that, that, that trades person. I think something about that, especially doing it at a younger age, like distills like a seed that then kind of just always there. And then over time, like it manifests into, into finally like launching your own company and, and moving on to the next thing. I guess in my mind, there's two ways that it happens. Cause I, I've learned recently of a colleague that it was a different path. And I said, Oh, okay, that's interesting. So agreed. If, if, if you have a family that from generation to generation of entrepreneurs, it's very common to see that, yeah. but I've seen others where, uh, it's almost, I guess, out of necessity. I remember this colleague telling me that, uh, you know, she was working in this company and they were a service company. Mm -hmm. And she said, I don't like how we do this. I think there's better ways of doing this. They're not listening to my suggestions and no entrepreneurial background whatsoever. Mm -hmm. And she said, you know what? I'm just going to go start doing my thing. I'm just going to do it. And I applauded her. I said, wow, I'm impressed that you had no entrepreneurial background and you know, it's scary. It's challenging. It's stressful. It can be a roller coaster. Mm. And you decide to take the leap. And today she's very successful. I'm just proud to and, and, uh, you know, amazed at, at her story. Yeah. But that's another path that I've seen. As yeah. well. No, I 100% agree with it. Because like, that was a, a big, that was a big reason why I made the leap as well. It was like literally that exact same thing. I watched for years at a time where like, I, I, I had like very distinctive times where I was like, this, this company is not operated very well. And then at that time I was like, okay, I'm going to do what I can to help grow this company. And then after spending another, another year doing that, I said, okay, this company is not going to go where I, where I want it to go or need it to go due to, due to other leadership in the company. I'm going to, I'm going to do what I'm doing for one more year. And then after that, I'm going to, I'm going to leave and start my own company if things still don't change. Right. And then I got past that next year. So it was like multiple years of just trying to be like an entrepreneur and and just try to help grow that company and then got to the point two years later i was like okay i just see it like just the management is not operating in the in the way that i think they need to operate the you know engineering and and so many different things right so many uh aspects of the company were in my opinion not operated very well and uh you know i was i just kind of had that mentality of like okay if this company can survive and can operate like this I think I'll be okay. Ah, there you go. I mean, that, that's, a, that's a good point. You know, when you see other things and you have that mindset, I've, I've had that in past uh, lives, mm-hmm. you take from it and, and then hopefully you take it and make it better on your own. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And going back against that though, like I have one caveat because this is like at, from switching from like an employee to an entrepreneur like dealing with employees and just all those different things. There are a lot of situations where as an employee, you're, you think, why does management not just do X, right? And a lot of times it boils down to, because like it's easy to say just do X, but the actual like execution, 
or the feasibility of it is not there. You know, it could be, you know, maybe maybe they can say, well, oh, if they just gave the people like an extra week of vacation time, everybody would be happy. I'd say, okay, cool, that sounds easy enough. But like, have you looked down on pa- looked at paper and said like, how much how much money is that going to be? You know, uh, yeah. it, it in that vacation time per year, or you know, for some companies that's hundreds of thousands. For some companies, millions of dollars to 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 do something like giving an extra week of vacation or something. And that's just one small scenario of like things that you that you don't really get the full fill of it until you've you've jumped into entrepreneurship yeah it's one thing to see it and uh, but when when you do it it's it's a different because you're feeling it directly especially when you're the head person and when uh, you're running a small business uh, as you said right it, how much is it going to cost how long is it going to take uh, it, uh what's the benefit of doing this how much of it am i going to get and, and, and it's going to be fast enough those are things that uh for some reason, when you're an employee and you have that, yeah, it's a different mindset. It's a different perspective. Excuse me. And a lot of times we fail to consider those things. Did you have other experiences throughout your career that that led you to doing consulting? Uh, yeah, actually, um, most of the work that I did. Uh, so, okay, so this is this is gonna sound uh, a little different, but. My first job, it was like I was an internal consultant. Like I was doing what I what we do for companies, but as an employee, they built it was a multi-billion-dollar company. They built the infrastructure to do this, and we had consultants that were training training us on this. And you know, I was just getting firsthand knowledge and actually applying it. So it was almost like I was preparing for this. But at one point, I got to where uh, you know you try to convince these leaders. And some of these people have been doing things the way they know to do them for 20 years. And here comes this fresh out of college kid to tell me how to do it. And there's a more efficient way. What do you know? And so on and so forth. And I don't have time. I got pressure from management. I got pressure from my employees. And at one point I said, okay, if I'm going to be able to convince these people, I have to be willing and able to walk in their shoes so I can say and prove it to myself first and then to others. Yes, it can be done. And I, I actually took a job managing operations and that was scary for me. I never managed people or manage a, a team and that, uh, until, up until, up until that point. And so when I did that, I was able to actually make implement improvements, educate my people. And that really helped, uh, consolidate or, or solidify my my ability to say yes we can do this and i can teach them and it can be done and i've proven it to myself and to others and so those those were some of the things that throughout actually influenced me in, in doing this this type of work what type of ways were were you like managing people like what type of people were you managing yeah so i basically had an entire operation that i was managing i had engineers i had uh, maintenance people I had uh, leads, supervisors, and operators, of course, that, you know, several shifts, and we all had, uh, you know, different scopes of work, but we, we came together as a team to, you know, get our production and making it uh, continuously better, right, making improvements week over week. Gotcha. And was this also like another manufacturing company specifically? Yeah, it was a, a medical device uh, company okay. that, uh, that manufactured uh, wound care products. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. I mean, you know, at that level, there's, there's a ton of different people that you need to manage and be able to learn how to handle all of them in a different way. Right. What were, what were some things that you kind of, uh, recognized when, when dealing with different, uh, types of people or maybe people in a different, uh, job titles? Yeah. So, uh, Understanding the personalities, understanding people's interests, um, understanding how people respond, what are the buttons, what what motivates them, what do they care about? Because if you can connect what you're trying to accomplish to what they care, yep. you can change the I don't care to, oh, no, actually, yes, I do care about that. And so sometimes people don't make the connection and hence they don't care. But when they see the connection, a lot of times you're able to help them uh, make a switch and actually care as opposed to using your authority and saying you have to do it because I tell you, and I made those mistakes. I mean, I'm not absolving myself of, of those, 
but those were the lessons I learned. And then the, the biggest one is there's a concept out there that's called emotional intelligence. Mm -hmm. And it's so, I can't even, I can't even do it justice. Like how important it is to, to managing people, reading body language, being empathetic, understanding yourself, managing relationships, all of those things that feel like uh, pie in the sky, fussy things, yep. but it's so important. If you want to be a leader, if you want to have influence, if you want to work well with others, if you can develop that ability to, to have good relations with people and be self, uh, self-aware mm -hmm. it's so powerful it's so important so th those are some of the skills that i learned in, in doing that yeah i you know that's one thing that that i definitely lacked while while starting uh starting the company even though i managed uh engineers and managed projects and and whatnot i still didn't realize that i didn't have the soft skills that was really required to, you know, to operate a company. I mean, you, anybody can get by, right. But like to operate at, at an elite level and to operate, you know, where, you know, job jobs are getting done that you need done. And, 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 and also they're getting done. And as you mentioned, like there's, there's two versions, you can use authority or you can use some emotional intelligence, uh, way of, of persuading that, that communication is then reciprocated and the person goes off and does the job in a happy manner, right? Versus I use my authority and now this person is, is, is going to go do the job, but they're pissed off and they're, they're probably going to tell their coworker that this guy, da, 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 you know? Uh, yeah. He railroaded me and what have you. Yeah. Exactly. And the big difference is that, you know, when you coerce someone into doing something, as soon as you turn their back, they're probably going to do what they think is right. But if you reason with them and you help them understand the realities, the importance of it and how it's going to affect them and they buy in, you are able to get them to buy in, uh, then you can leave them alone and they'll do it even when you're not there. And that's a big, huge difference in terms of the result, the effort that they put, the attention to detail, influencing others, as you mentioned. And so from there, did from that position, did, did you, is that whenever you made the transition to, to becoming a business owner? Uh, no, there were two other stops. I worked for a aerospace company, okay. uh, working on supply chain. Um, and then after that, I uh, went to consult, do consulting, but for another company as a team member. Gotcha. Um, and I did that purposely because I wanted to say, let me at least get some learning from someone else that's already doing mm -hmm. it. And that was instrumental. That was very, very helpful for me. And uh, I'm glad I did it. But those were the last two stops for me. Got you. Yeah, I I want to go back. Uh, we'll go back to the the transition between uh, on your on your second stop. But before I want to kind of call out the the part that how you went to a consulting uh, job prior to to you starting your own company doing consulting. That part, right. that part is like extremely important. And and I, I always tell people this one on the beginning of their career that get a job that it pertains to exactly what it is you want to do, right? It don't, it really doesn't even matter if you have to be the guy sweeping the floor at the place doing the thing that you want to do, but at least you're yeah. there in the setting. At least, you know, when Steve calls off work, you can say, Hey, can I help fill in for Steve for whatever thing it is? Right. And maybe, maybe Absolutely. someday you'll wiggle in and, and get the opportunity to try something out. Um, if I may add something, yeah. I mean, to, to kind of echo what you're saying, if you're not even around it, you're not even creating the opportunity, right, for, for the things you're saying. But if you're there, you can at least see it. You can absorb it. You can say, well, I can do this or make a move. But you're seeing it. But when you're completely removed, it's much harder to, to actually make the leap. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, my, my career path was, like, extremely simple. I, like, I literally worked at one job and then started a company. Um, and I, oh, wow, look at that. Yeah, I spent my entire time at that single singular career and going back to, to like the way the company was operated, it left, they, they all, there was also feasibility issues, right? They just probably didn't have the revenue to bring on some of the people that they needed at the times they needed them. But that gave me the opportunity to then step in and, and, and do different job tasks. Like, you know, I, I got every single one of my breaks due to 
an opportunity, not because somebody said, here's an opportunity, but because this guy quit his job or this guy was out of town on another project. So like robot programming, the guy quit his job. So they needed a robot programmer, the PLC programming, the guy, uh, the guy was out of, out of town on another big install. And then, you know, I got into to doing risk assessments because, because we had a customer that said, Hey, where's your risk assessment for this project? We have this PO for this project and everybody's looking around and says, what's a risk assessment, you know? So, you know, therefore I, I got, you know, I, I stepped up and I took the, uh, the responsibility of going and taking some, some classes on, uh, you know, risk assessment and, and learning like the RIA, RIA standards. And, uh, I became our risk assessment guy. Right. And then the expert in internal expert problem. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And so I was like the primary guy. And then it also did give me some, it gave me even more exposure to now I'm working with, uh, our customers, engineers and their safety people to ensure that this system is meeting the safety requirements that, that this company has, and that it's meeting like governmental safety re regulations. And so that experience I was able to gain from other experienced individuals that, that handled doing these risk related items, but going back to it, that these all just came as like opportunities as there was a gap there that I could, that I could step in and fill. And, uh, then gave me the audacity to start my own company doing the same thing because I had already. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I mean, look at you and you, you didn't plan all the steps, but those steps actually push you to, or helped you get to where you wanted to go. I do have one, actually one experience like that, where when I was managing that operation, uh, we had a position that it was the planning manager. Mm -hmm. uh, and the company couldn't hold on to anybody there. Like nobody made it. Um, mm -hmm. And I was trying to go to the plant manager, like the, the whole thing, managing the whole thing. So I didn't get that. And then the person that had that uh, position, the other position, the planning ma materials manager, uh, she was let go. Mm. And then uh, 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 a mentor of mine, a friend of mine actually, said, this is probably the next best thing because this position is the brains of the business. So if you learn this, you're going to learn something that few people really understand. And I'm going to be there. Oh, my goodness, man. I, I guess the message from this is be open to something that maybe you didn't anticipate. I could have said, no, I'm just going to stay here and, and what have you. Yeah. And I'm so glad because I was always open and receptive to whatever opportunities. And so I moved over to that position. I struggled at the beginning. Oh my goodness. But I learned so much. And even people today in my profession say, wow, I got to tell you, there's not a lot of people that understand operations, manufacturing, logistics, purchasing, inventory, planning, yeah. warehousing, all of that stuff put in one person that there's not a lot of that. And, you know, not trying to uh, toot my horn, but I thankfully got to that uh, position because I was open and receptive. And a lot of times people say, you know, I'm comfortable here. Well, sometimes you got to be open and willing to embrace opportunities, even if they take you out of your comfort zone. Actually, that's where your growth is going to happen. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Like, you know, a, a big portion of like probably why you was able to make the leap is you got a little bit of taste of all these different things. You had to experience like how operations, how planning, like how all these different, uh, how all these different job titles or tasks how they function and then they inherently gave you like some type of skill where where you get to find like flavor taste enough things that like you just you felt confident in the ability that that you can take your skills and be able to transfer them you know directly towards other to other companies a hundred percent and i'll tell you a little bit more even because it, it can be scary like sometimes i go to companies that they're probably more advanced like the person in there they're more advanced in that one area but i know the basics so well that I can start with the basics and then fill in and catch up very quickly. And it was because of learning the basics and really being open to that, that allowed me to, to get to that point. Yeah. And, and also too, like with, with the consulting side of things, like you have like the outside perspective, which always gives you a different angle than, than, yeah. you know, what an internal piece person would uh, be able to witness. I'll tell you what, I forgot to mention this earlier, but I remember just vividly, like 
being shorter than my dad and just walking and just seeing him just walk past all the offices and him not being involved in the politics of the business. Mm. And just, I feel the same way, right? I can walk in, we get involved in the politics to help them fix it, fix them, but we don't get tangled in them or I avoid that at all. I know sometimes it can be a challenge, but that's not our job. We don't want to get tangled. We want to find a solution so that people can work you know, in, in harmony and get their job done and be happy at work. Absolutely. Going back to just entrepreneurship and, 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 you know, that trigger to, to finally, you know, do your own thing. We, we talked about just like right before the podcast that like everybody kind of has their own trigger and, and sometimes some people are pushed mm-hmm. into, into yeah. doing their thing. Right. And so oh, what, yeah. what, what was the thing that, that got you to finally pull the trigger? Oh, man. Uh, So I remember just working with people in manufacturing and people telling me uh, it's not it's just a matter. It's not if it's when you're going to be laid off. And I said, okay. (laughs) so, you know, years go by and thankfully I was I was never laid off. And then one point I found myself being laid off three times in a row. And I said, this is nuts. This is crazy. Mm. And Honestly, I mean, I, I got to the point where I said, okay, am I going to go get another job that I don't want? Or am I going to actually, you know, start and do what I want and love? And and I just made the decision. Of course, I had my wife supportive and all of that. And the funny thing was that I went from being an employee to owning two businesses in a matter of days. And that was, that was a big transition. But basically, that's what it is. You know, sometimes, like I was telling you off camera, that some people they have a plan and they go execute it and other people sometimes we get pushed and then you have to kind of adapt and find your your own way i think the thing that's like so important with that is because when it comes to like entrepreneurship you know i don't know how this is for everybody but it's it's hard to make that transition right you're 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 going from a place of comfort that really the and then the big thing is you're jumping into an unknown right you're jumping into the, uh, you know, what's, what's already considered a structure and, and, and you're familiar with the thing and to now you have to go build whatever the thing is, right? Not, not like the execution of the service, but you had to build up your own organization and, you know, build up your own processes and a lot of that's scary and it's really hard to, to, to make the leap and pull the trigger to, to start a company. Honestly, to me, it's, um, it's more the mental, the, 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 the mindset side of things. Yep. Um, I guess I'll give you an anecdote, uh, an analogy, but my dad gave me that from a childhood. And I always remember, I mean, I, I would tell, tell him like, I don't know where I heard this, but this is what's on my mind. And my dad said, I told you that when you were like nine or what happened. <laughs> and, and just to put it into something more, uh, 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 I guess, modern, I always think about the movie, The Matrix. Uh, have you seen that movie, yeah. that, 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 the Hollywood movie? Yeah. And when, when Morpheus is walking with uh, 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 Neo and saying, you are plugged into The Matrix and you're, you're, a, you're a hostage and that kind of thing, but when you get unplugged, like your mindset has to change, you have to find your own way and da, da, da. that whole explanation and not, uh, you know, judging where people are at, but just the change in mindset, the perspective has to change and the expectations have to change. Yep. And so thankfully for me, that was instilled into me when I was a, a child. Mm-hmm. So it was easy for me to just embrace it. But I know people, I've talked to people that say, oh, I could never do it. It's so hard. And I mean, it's neither right or wrong. It's just uh, a different way of thinking. And, you know, to, to dive into that a little bit more, uh, you know, that what's things that, that people can do is to mitigate some of the actual risks, right? Meaning maybe you save some money so that way you can live off of, of whatever the savings amount is or you know, you, that savings money can also be utilized towards like some investment you need in the company, because whenever you start the company, there's going to be expenses and there's probably not going to be money coming in the door. Um, so like I'm mitigating as many of those things as, uh, you know, as much as possible. And also like how you said you had your wife, your wife and your wife's support, uh, having those conversations with you know friends and family around you that, 
that are able to kind of support you in those in those times uh it is a big deal right like the version i'll just say like the version of yourself without a wife in that same position maybe maybe it'd have been different or that you know maybe maybe your decision would have been different or maybe you would have said okay well i'm gonna give up my apartment and go sleep on a friend's couch until i grind and do this thing <laughs> yeah. Right. um yeah uh again I mean, I'm telling you, I, I, I credit my dad with a lot of the thinking. And so some of the things he told me, you know, save your money for that. Don't go live a lavish life. Like when you go and get a big engineering job and you're making money, don't go buy a luxury car. Don't go buy a big house. Don't, you know, keep li living within uh, reasonable means. And to this day, I practice that. Um, and then another one was uh, investing, right? You mentioned that word earlier. Mm -hmm. Uh, if you can develop other means of income until your company actually takes off, that, uh, I guess, uh, helps in, in, in handling your day-to-day -day, uh, uh, expenses, living expenses. And, uh, and then, of course, uh, a cash savings or, or building a cash reserve for, for emergencies, for initial uh, uh, expenses and so on. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. This is something I, I haven't really, um, you know, I don't think public and uh, publicly announced too much, but so one, there was one thing is I had money saved. I invested in the stock market, uh, but a couple of things that are not like really publicly known is I did day trading for a little bit of time. This is after I transitioned, after I quit my job and I'm, and I'm, okay. you know, I was doing a little bit of day trading. Um, I, then I even did like some of these, like, like the, like ride sharing things like, uh, like DoorDash and all these different apps. Like I did a little bit of that stuff to one, like rate retain to some cash that, uh, sure. so that way I wasn't just eating into the savings that I had and also kind of just to get away. Right. At first, like I'm spending a lot of time on my computer. I'm just like working, like doing LinkedIn outreach and I'm doing all these things by hand, no employees at first. And you know, like doing something like that, it got me out of the house. I was able to go, you know, get out inside the world. You know, a lot of those things, whenever you become a business owner, you'll kind of notice that you're like, you're stuck in doing whatever your thing is. And, you know, maybe sometimes you don't get the experience to, you know, go get outside and do things other than, uh, than just do whatever your normal grind is. Right. So like something like that can like help you through like a transition period and not only like, financially and maybe even like psychologically as well. Absolutely, man. I considered uh, doing, uh, uh, what was it? Uh, what did, what's the name? Uh, oh, the teacher. Um, my wife used to be a, a school teacher. Uh -huh. So I wanted to be a, a substitute teacher. Yep. I considered doing that. I even, because I'm bilingual, I even put into uh, apply for uh, 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 translator jobs, things like that. Just utilize my skill set. Yep. However, I could to sustain because some people are actually successful from the get-go, but most people, I would assume, are not. And you have to endure until you're able to uh, uh, bootstrap the business and get it to a place where it's sustainable and it, 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 it finances itself, and, and then you don't have to do those things. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And this is something that, that y'all point out to, to individuals like starting a company is that unless like sales, like you just like have to be if, extremely good at sales. If you don't want it, like, if you're going to go into business and, and immediately do well, you have to be really good at sales and you have to somehow have like a big lead list that you know that they're going to come to you for business. Right. And, right. and, and, and cause this is one of the mistakes I made as, as a business owner is, you know, I, I could, I called myself the engineer in the basement meaning I didn't interface with customers. I didn't walk away from that company with a lead list. If I did have a lead list, you know, it was in our contract that, Hey, you're going to leave our, you're going to leave our company. We're not going to sue you, but you also can't go after our, the, the, the contacts that we have, the leads that we have. Right. And so, um, you know, that put me in a position where I'm like, okay, huh now. So I got to figure out all my own leads, all my own. And so like, it, it, yeah, it kind of isolated me from even the people I did have in the industry from like being able to target them. Um, and so it was definitely something that, that I learned and it, I'll say it still impacts our business today. We have an extremely good growth. However, like me not having that sales experience and 
And uh, I'm just really good at processes from like just being an engineer. So like I'm able to like create sales processes just from like engineering of things. Right. And, uh, but still, I still don't consider myself like a great salesperson. You know what I mean? I, and, uh, but that is like one skill set that can really just help propel, uh, propel you, uh, into the future. Like, like for myself, when I'm thinking about, uh, like business acquisition things, right. And something that we'll end up doing more of in the future. And, there's a couple things, right? You can either go into a business and sell more of whatever that thing is, or you can go into that business and change something about their execution that then makes them more profitable. Right. Exactly. And you, you have to have like one of these two things to, to go in and be able to make this, make this adjustment. Uh, and, and to be honest, sales is the one thing that really helps on the front end. Right. Cause if you have sales, you have purchase orders, you have, you now have money that you can do things with versus like the other way around. Oh my goodness. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, a lot of the entrepreneurs, we, we go into uh, entrepreneurship because we love what we do. Right. But when you're not fully capable of understanding the entire business cycle, right. You have to get the word out there. So people actually become aware of you. Then the ones that are interested, you have to be able to talk to them to, understand how you can help them and actually convince them that you are the option because right now most companies are going to have a competition out there then you have to fulfill the service and then you have it to solicit uh, referrals and expand the business if there's potential for that and so when we go in we only feel we only think about our little piece but we don't understand that there's an entire system that you have to learn and and that's the challenge that's uh you said it right sales it's sales and marketing to me are the the bread and butter steak and potatoes however you want to put it of business if you know those two skills and you do them well you you already have half the battle won I'd absolutely say. what what are some of the things that, that you found have been useful on the sell side of things actually what you just said uh, being an engineer and someone told me like you actually have a, a lot of the good tools to be that because you're persistent uh you follow a process and uh and you execute it and so for example people say follow-up it's a it's a challenge right to me i have no problem following up people over and over and over and over and staying top of mind striking the balance right between being persistent uh, as opposed to being obnoxious and so things like that being able now the one thing i'm learning is that uh, i thought that you know for operations we have all these metrics and things. And in my mind, I always had the perception that um, sales and marketing, it, it's so uh, intangible that you can't measure it. And I'm, I've come to find out, oh my goodness, no, there is a, it's actually even more pro, uh, uh, prone to be measured and improved and, and, and troubleshoot that. And to me, that's fascinating because it, that perception in the past made it unattainable, elusive, and, and you know, just challenging. But now understanding more of that, it's made it much easier to say, okay, these are the levers, these are the measures, and you just need to move the needle in the direction you need it to, to actually get the result. Yeah. And just repeat the process over and over. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, like being able to identify like, uh, you know, so industry like KPI, like it was key performance indicator. So being able to identify like, what a KPI is for like what it is the thing you're trying to do like if it's sales you know for like for for us one of the key indicators for us is uh, what our cost per meeting is right and so I'm having everybody uh, you know do initiatives and budgeting according to if you can beat this this KPI for this cost per meeting do whatever you want anything that beats this KPI you can do it right you have the budget for it. Um, and so just being able to identify, cause I also at one point didn't have like the understanding of these KPIs and like, you know, where, how to really measure like the, the sales and just kind of like really breaking it down into like the process of like each step that like, say for instance, the lead comes, comes from like, or is it LinkedIn? Did, did they show up to a meeting? Did they not show up to a meeting? Did the yeah, meeting, yeah. did the, okay, they showed up to a meeting. Did the, the meeting result in an RFQ or not RFQ? Did it result in a, 
and uh, down the road three months later we might have an RFQ. So these are all like the different measurement points that we yeah. actually are, are looking and utilizing to uh, you know measure our sales processes. A hundred percent. I'm right there with you, man. We measure all those things as we go: proposal, close rate. Uh, do we expand it? Did we get uh, uh, a referral out of the relationship, and so on? And so, yeah, absolutely. What are what are some of the things that you're you're doing on the marketing side? Um, so, so for example, we do a lot of uh, we're active on social media. Uh, we do speaking engagements. We do, uh, of course, uh, direct outreach. Um, let's see, we do some uh, paid ads as well. And so, you know, we, we uh, I guess, diversify our, our efforts mm-hmm. in, in that manner. But, you know, as opposed to your, your offering that's tangible and, and, and something that people can touch, in our side is more ideas and, and possibilities and concepts yep that that you know the client can actually so it's all knowledge based just spreading the word and teaching and educating people so that they can say okay i can use some of that let's talk and then away we go yeah absolutely and you showed up to this podcast too so there's just another way oh, absolutely this creates uh, awareness right people that hopefully you're you have a, a following that takes to this and of course yes uh it, it becomes something that creates uh, uh attention for us yeah yeah, absolutely. I think it's huge to have like, I'm very much a, a diversification, especially when it comes to like marketing. I look at every single channel, every single like content type, f- physical world stuff. Like we have vehicle wraps and stuff like that. We have like the windows wrapped on our, on our shop, on our shop. Um, and, and like all these things, I kind of look at it as like every single thing that you do is an instance where somebody might notice you somebody might recognize you somebody might um you know pull the trigger to move forward with you right and i feel like that that diversification is is such a big deal um one one cool thing that we're we're doing like uh, somewhat more recently is this year we're starting to dabble more in, in like the paid ad side of things um and through that doing the same thing, the diversification, right? We're maybe spend a little bit of money here on Facebook, maybe spend some money here on LinkedIn, uh, Google, spend some money on Google. One thing that's really cool about the Google platform is Google owns so many companies that now they have like templates where you can like, you just fill out like a very large campaign and then they just put it everywhere, right? They're putting it up in, in search, they're putting it on YouTube, they're putting it on, you know, or you can have more manual control. But the thing I like about that is I, I I really like going broad. I like to go broad and then start focusing deep. Then we'll analyze like what we're gonna do next. What's gonna be the next thing that we, uh, you know, put more resource resources towards and uh, make it a new initiative. Yeah, I'd say that as I mentioned a little bit ago, right? Having metrics, having KPIs that can help you guide based on the results. You can say which channels are giving you the uh, return on your investment. And from what I've learned is most companies have maybe two or three channels at most that work for them. And so if you have more than that, bringing you leads and creating awareness effectively for you, that, you, I mean, that's, that's a big win. Absolutely. Absolutely. Dan, what are some, what are some final things you have for our audience? Somebody navigating their career and uh, looking to do it more proficiently. What are some pieces of advice you can give? Yeah, um, to me, I always felt that I'm in charge of my career. Mm-hmm. And so, um, and I was actually listening to, without giving him a plug, but I was listening to Brian Tracy a little bit ago. <laughs> and he was saying, like, every training opportunity you get, every, uh, uh, you know, opportunity you get for training, for interim opportunities, <clears throat> or, or participating on a special project, Take it because that's always building your your expertise and your value to the company. And so, if you don't manage your your career, someone else will manage it for you. Somebody's going to hire you away. They're going to give you a promotion or whatever the case may be. And so, if you proactively know here's where I want to get, here are the skills I need to amass or 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 accumulate to be able to do that job, education, training, and so on. Take it, take it all you can, and always keep in mind: is this 
getting me closer or, or, or pushing me away from where I want to go and being uh, diligent and disciplined about mm. it. Uh, like I said, I always knew and sometimes uh, companies didn't offer training. Most people don't read books, read books, pursue training. Even if your company doesn't want to pay for it, go pay for it yourself, invest in yourself because it's so important to build yourself because once you know what needs to be done, you have the skill. I mean, you have a lot more control than when you're actually on the other side of the ball where you're trying to learn and you depend on other people to teach you. Mm -hmm. Take control of your of your um, of your career and manage it as it is as, a, as an in enterprise, right? Which is what produces income. Yeah, you. no, I think that's, that's extremely important. Um, again, it's it's the directly managing your career. It's being intentional about your career. Um, I had no intention and intention. When I said I have no intention. I didn't really have a plan throughout my career, right? It wasn't like I had this, end goal, this is where I want to reach, right? However, right. it's needed. Secondly, the one thing that I did plan or, or, or do was I knew I was in a place where I wouldn't get the exposure that I'm getting. I knew the, the, the way these opportunities were coming to me, as I explained before, they wouldn't come to me in, a, in another organization. I knew the size of the company that I was in and just the, the environment of that company that there, there was going to be more opportunities that come to me, learning opportunities than any other company. Uh, throughout my entire career there, I, I was paid like $5 an hour uh, average or under the average for, for my skill sets. Right. And even towards the end, it was probably closer to like $10 an hour under what industry standard was for, for, uh, you know, my job position. But I, I knew that even though I was taking a, a financial, uh, hit that I was gaining exposure to these things that, that grew me to, to who I am today and give me the ability to do the things that I can do today. I, I can't commend you enough on that. I, uh, I'll tell you two quick stories. When I first took that leadership job, I, it was a 51 mile commute each way. Wow. Over traffic. I mean, the traffic, I don't know if you're familiar with this area, but the traffic here has gotten, it's, it's significant. It took me over an hour to get there each way. Mm. And I made the sacrifice because I knew that getting leadership exposure and then the mentors I found in that organization, I said, this is too valuable for me to say, I just need to get a job that's closer. This is more valuable to me. And, and, you know, I did that for several years and I'm so grateful of everything that I learned. <laughs> and then years and years before that, I was, when I first joined the airline, I, I used to work for, for an airline. I remember I got this first job uh, and it was like five $5 an hour and I was just helping passengers. Well, there was another job that they were always recruiting people in my position to go there. And I remember just seeing people that stayed where I started for years and years and years. And within six months, I saw the opportunity and I, and I took it. I oh. didn't get it the first time, but the second time around, I got it. And just because, again, I was open, I was receptive, yep. and people would talk about this job. Oh, it's so tough. It's so stressful. And I said, it doesn't matter. I'm, I'm going. Yeah. I'm not just going to stay here except uh, just this. I want to go places. And to, to do that, you have to take risks and, and take advantage of opportunities. Yep. Yeah, a lot of, a lot of times... Uh, a career, especially if you're going to, you know, not start your own company, a career is very stair-stepped, right? Just like get up to the next level so that you can get up to the, the following level, right? And if you never take the right. step to go from this level to this level, it's likely that that third level opportunity would never, never even come to you because you didn't get close enough to that opportunity. Yeah, hundred percent. I, I mean, to me, I think it's, Sometimes it can be that way, and other times you're just in the right place at the right time. Like you said, right? Somebody quit, somebody got transferred, they took a project, and they looked around and said, "You're it, <laughs> let's go." But you have to be able and willing, and and, and uh, have the risk, not be risk averse, and just go for it and take it. Awesome, and I definitely enjoyed having you on. I'm glad we got to be able to, you know, talk some business and talk. Uh, talk about some of the, the challenges we went through uh, in business and also 
our journey to, to become business owners and for you to share your journey uh, to become a business owner. Where can people find you at? Absolutely. Thoroughly enjoyed the conversation. Uh, people can find us, uh, visit us online at alphanovaconsulting.com. Alphanova spelled as you have it up on the screen with a PH as one word, alphanovaconsulting.com. I'm very active on LinkedIn. Uh, we have a YouTube channel that we're starting to put some content in there if they want to see me explaining different concepts and ideas. And so happy to connect and, and chat with folks. Awesome. Thank you again, Dan. It was a, a pleasure having you on. Absolutely. I enjoyed it. Malachi, thanks so much for having me. I really appreciate the opportunity. Thanks again. Awesome.